All right, we're back in Second Peter. We're going to be looking at a number of things today, and I hope that the, the times that we've been uh, looking through First and Second Peter have been an encouragement to you. I know they have been to me personally, especially as we get the opportunity to uniquely see how God has us in particular parts of Scripture for particular things that he already knew that we were going to be experiencing. And today, as we look at this section and these, these passages, these verses that we look at have been planned out for months uh, before a lot of the current events had, were ever forecasted or happened. And today we look at the fact that the Word of God is our foundation. And the fact that no matter what comes to us in this world, and we've been talking about this through trials, but specifically today, Peter is writing to those he cares about, those he's discipled, those he's invested in, and he wants them to remember. And that's going to be our key word today is remember. He wants them to remember all that God's done for them, all that God has shown them throughout history and through his word. He wants them to remember the fact that other things are in this world are like grass that wither and die and fade away. But the word of the Lord remains forever. We need that. I feel like that is a very poignant word for us even today as I watched, and we just got the opportunity to pray for the people of Ukraine, but as you watch the news, and I try to not watch a ton of news, it tends to be depressing, uh, but I did watch the news this week, obviously tracking with what is going on, and, and I had the unique opportunity through some people I knew to uh, that send some videos of uh, believers, a pastor and one of the leaders of, of uh, a ministry in Ukraine, and they had recorded a few messages to encourage the rest of the world with this particular message. One of the things that stuck in my head, they both said one of the very similar phrases, the church in Ukraine has been underground before, and we don't forget what that's like. So the church of Ukraine will continue to exist and thrive and grow no matter what happens around them. And I thought to myself as I was watching these and, and then reading the, the manuscript from them, and I thought, these men are recording this with bombshells going off behind them. You could hear them. This is a different kind of focus. It's a different kind of foundational belief in what God has done for them. And I was, I was convicted. I was challenged. I was really really just amazed to see uh, that kind of a response at the face of danger and evil that they're, that they're experiencing right now. The word of God remains above all. We've talked about knowing God as the focus from this Second Peter letter and the idea that to know God is a protection for us. It's a protection for our lives. It's a protection against false teaching. It's a protection for all that God wants us to do and what he's called us to, that we need to know him. And primarily as Peter focuses on that for the first couple of sections that we've been through and as Pastor Larry walked us through last week, this, this idea that you can be brought into the presence of God through Jesus. And that we need to understand all the precious and great promises, the, the expanse of what God has given us as an inheritance in Christ and not live like paupers, 
when we are princes and princesses to the king. And I want to thank Pastor Larry for doing that last week. And as I listened to the sermon, I was so encouraged that God is a God of plenty. And we, he may not always bestow on us these lavish riches in this world, but to understand who he is spiritually is to know all that he's brought to us. And we have to be able to do this as we go. We have to be able to know who he is. His blessings come from his character. His blessings come from his rule and reign. Not through what we've done, not through our works, not through our accomplishments, but instead they come from him. So to know what those blessings are, we have to know who he is. We're going to look at verses 12 through 21 at the end of chapter 1 today. Excuse me. So I want to encourage you to look there with me. I'm going to read the first few verses, 12 through 15. And then we'll dig through those a little bit as uh, kind of a prelude to what Paul has for us in verses 16 through 21. So read with me verse 12 down through 15. Peter says this, Therefore, I intend to always remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter is writing, and in the previous parts of chapter one here, he's writing about the qualities of the character of God that get passed on to us as image bearers that we need to be living out. If we know him and want to live in him, we need to understand those qualities. And Peter gets to the end of the chapter, and he uses a word here three times in verses 12 through 15. He says, remind, in verse 12. In verse three, he says, by way of reminder, And then in verse 15, he says, I want you to be able to recall these things. See, remembrance is critical in the life of a Christian. Because if you forget what God has done, or you are not focused on what God has done, the presence will be overwhelming. The present circumstances in our world and in our lives will, will run roughshod over us if we do not remember all that God has done. Because God has been faithful and God has been true through many tragic, horrible, hard times throughout the history of the world. And God continues to be faithful. And that's why Peter's saying this. Remember, Peter in the church in the first century is entering into a time of unprecedented persecution under Nero. And Peter is saying to them, specifically even from his own story that we'll look at in a minute, he says, I'm going to die. I know this. He's he's saying to them, I know Jesus told me I'm going to die for my faith. I know what's coming. And I know what's coming for the church. And he says, I am imploring you to remember, to be reminded. He says, as long as I have, he says, as long as I am in this body, as long as he has flesh and bones and his heart is beating, He wants to keep reminding them. 
keep pushing them back to understanding God and his character. So that when he's gone and they experience things that he can no longer physically speak into, they will not remember him, they will remember God. And that's the key to the Christian life. All along your life, as you walk with Christ, you hopefully will have multiple individuals pouring into your life or bringing in helpful words from the Lord or encouraging you or walking with you in difficult times. You'll have all these different people the longer that you walk with the Lord that God inserts into your life to encourage you and help you thrive. But in the end, all of those people will eventually go away in this world and God will remain. So it is the job of the believers to consistently, constantly, repeatedly direct people back to the Lord. And this is something we have to be careful of as a church in today's world because in today's world, there's a lot of other things that people who name the name of Christ want to push you in a direction towards. Some self-help stuff, some self-realization, some idea that you should be more prosperous. There's all kinds of nonsense out there. Peter's addressing that stuff in the first century. We still are addressing it today because there's a lot of distractions from the actual truth. And what Peter's saying is, you need to know the truth so you are not led astray. So he says, it's my job to remind you, to remind you, to stir you up by way of reminder, and to cause you to recall these things. So I, I, am, I am not anywhere near the level of the Apostle Peter in this reminding, but I want to stand here and simply remind you as well because it was a good reminder for me as well. As your pastor, it's my job to remind you. And sometimes you may feel like, I feel like he says those things about Jesus often. You're right. You're right. It is my job to say the same truth a thousand different ways. Because it is that truth that are going to get us through. That's the truth that will carry us. So when you watch the news and you're watching things like a complete injustice happening in a part of the world, which, which may full well become bigger before it's over, and people being persecuted, being killed even, and the church in Ukraine, which has thrived in the last couple decades, all of a sudden possibly being forced to be an underground church in Ukraine. And you think to yourself, what in the world could God be doing? And that's a very natural question for us to ask as humans. But the answer is, I've seen God do this before. I've seen God allow these things so that he can grow the church. I've seen God carry people through unbelievable circumstances for thousands of years of history. And there is no evil that will ever come into this world that will defeat what God is doing. So we as the church can, while we can grieve, while we can be astonished, while we can be horribly sad, we can also be encouraged because we stand on the truth. 
The Christian who knows what he believes and why he believes it will rarely be seduced by the false teachers and their devious doctrines. So it is our job, it's our responsibility as Christians to know what we believe and why we believe it. If if your faith is shallow, the rocky times will break it. If your faith is deep, there's nothing that'll pull you apart. And that's what our job is as Christians. So ask yourself this question, even as we kind of walk our way through some more scripture today. Where is your faith at? Is it deepening? Are you pursuing God consistently? Are you looking to his word? Are you asking God, okay, where do I learn more about you? Where can I go? What does that look like? Are you asking those around you who may be more mature in the faith, okay, where do I go? How do I grow? What does this look like? Because otherwise, you'll find yourself off in the distance somewhere. And you wonder, well, how did I get here? And that's what Peter is saying. I want to remind you of these things so you don't end up over there. So stay here, where he's called you to, where the truth has brought us to. So first, remembrance is necessary for godly living. And that's what verses 12 through 15 bring to us. John 21, 18, I mentioned this. Peter knew what his future held because Jesus told him. In John 21, 18, he says to Peter, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And this is a picture for Peter. He was telling Peter what the end was look like. You will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And that may sound like just an old person that needs help getting around, but that's not what he was saying to Peter. He was literally saying to Peter, you're going to stretch your hands out and be crucified. Someone else will put very little clothing on you and they will carry you to your death. And Peter knew this. That's why here in 1 Peter chapter 2 or in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, I know that my time is short. So this challenge is what do we look at? What do we focus on? What do we want to be our our stories and our legacy when we know the end is near? And Peter was clear about what he wanted. He said, I want you to remember these characteristics that look like godly living. Remembrance is necessary for godly living. Peter wanted the church to be diligent and remember the foundation of God's word. The word of God is a better foundation than one built by men. And this is what Peter is saying. Your spirituality, he's saying to the first century church, these exiles that have been scattered and are going to get persecuted even more, he says, your spiritual life and development are not based on me, Peter says. I'm going to go away soon. You will need to continue to follow the Lord. One of the things we'll look at as we continue on and look at false teaching here in chapters 2 and working into chapter 3 is this. We need to be very careful as Christians to not follow men primarily. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have leaders. 
It doesn't mean there aren't godly individuals that you look to. But here's the thing. There, any of those godly leaders you look to, any of those men or women that have poured into your life that are leading you faithfully in Christ, they are, that is a wonderful privilege, but they are not perfect. And they are not your foundation. They are there to direct you to your foundation. That's what Peter's saying. So if you're looking for someone to pour into your life and you're thinking, okay, who may this be? Maybe go and ask a few people a few good questions about wisdom or advice and make sure that you choose to place yourself in accordance with those who are directing you back to him and his word. Those are the people you follow. Just like Peter. Peter was clear. Peter was one of the most well-known people in the first century in the church. He could have... He could have pulled a lot of his clout to get people to do certain things. But Peter had been humbled by his walk with Christ. And he knew how important God was and how important God's word was and how unimportant he was in relation to being a foundation for people. So he wants them to remember him and his word. The word of God is a better foundation than one built on men. Scripture is the foundation of our, of our faith. Here is the truth. Men die, but the word of God lives on. Men and women die, but the word of God lives on. And we can have heroes in the faith. We can have people we look to that are faithful, men and women that have given sacrifice and follow God well, and we should look to them and we should respect them, but we need to also understand that the word of God is our foundation. And it was theirs if they were faithful. And we need to take that and remember it and be stirred up to reminder and be stirred up to recall that in the future. Men die, but the word of God lives on. Secondly, let's look at verse 16. I'm going to read down through verse 21 for us so you can follow along with me. Verse 16 of 2 Peter chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they carried along, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter is reminding his beloved people that the Word of God is where we look. He uses these first couple verses, 16, 17, and 18, to talk about an unbelievable experience that he had. I mean, breathtaking, life-changing, the most significant experience that he was ever going to have in his life, he describes here. 
in verse 16 through 18. He says, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we don't share with you this stuff because somebody kind of like halfway convinced us with clever words. He says, no, how? We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter's saying, I watched this stuff happen with my own two eyes. I was there. I saw him die. I saw them put him in a grave. And then I saw him resurrected. He said, I was there. It wasn't a story or a myth. I was present. It happened to me, firsthand account. And look at verse 19 with me. What does he say? And we have something more sure. And I'm thinking to myself while I'm studying this and reading this, I'm like, seriously? I mean, this situation that Peter just described has been burned into his memory banks. I'm sure when he closed his eyes, he could still see it. It was one of those kinds of experiences. And he says, that was incredible. And we have something better. See, oftentimes I think we struggle with that as human beings. Because our life experiences have a tendency to overwhelm other things. And Peter's standing here saying, hey, I had the most incredible experience that anybody's ever going to have. Nothing else measures up to what I, what I saw, what I was present for, what I heard, what I witnessed, what, what God impacted my life with. There's, there's nothing that could be greater than that except the word of God. He says the prophetic word is better. You've got all of God's work. Not just one experience, not just one thing in a timetable. You've got all of God's work. You've got all of his character laid out for you. This is better than any experience you're going to have. That's what Peter's trying to tell us here. And to do it, he poignantly used the greatest experience anybody's ever going to have. And said, this is better. It's more sure. Why? Circumstances fade. Experiences get different in your mind, right? No matter how hard we try to hold on to some experience and and retain the, the vivid nature of it and try to hold that picture in our heads, they fade over time. You end up forgetting little details to it. You end up eventually kind of that that colorful picture fades a little bit. It doesn't mean you totally forget the experience, but it's not what it was. But the word of God never fades, never changes, doesn't go away, doesn't lose its potency, doesn't lose its vivid explanation of God's character. The word of God doesn't do what our experiences do. Experiences are open to interpretation, right? I mean, we all know this. But your life circumstances do not give you a better foundation than God and his word. So we need to be really careful about this, folks. Because it is so often 
that I talk with believers and their experiences are the filter with which they look at the word of God through. And that is not what God intends. He intends the word of God to be the filter with which you look at all of your circumstances through. Not the other way around. You get it mixed up the other way around, you're going to start asking God a bunch of questions that you shouldn't be asking. You keep it clear and in the right order, and instead you'll be asking yourself a bunch of questions. Saying, do I believe that? Because I got this thing that's happening, and oh my goodness. Wait, God is good right now? I don't like what's happening right now. Is God still good? But too often what happens is we have these circumstances and we look and say, well, this is my circumstance. God must not be good. And that's backward. Peter has this amazing experience that nobody, none of us are ever going to have. And he knows he's walking to his death soon. And he says, I mean, I can, we didn't say it here, but I can imagine Peter's very thankful for the experience he had. Okay, So that's not wrong. But then he says, we have something more sure. And this word sure there, right? It's more stable. It's more consistent. It's more foundational. It is a better thing to stand on by far than any of our experiences, no matter how good or bad they are. So we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that? Do we believe that experiences fade, but the word of God remains forever? Do we? If we do, then we need to talk a lot less about our circumstances and a lot more about God's word. A lot less about our circumstances because frankly, we can talk about our circumstances all day long and tomorrow they'll change. So you'll have a whole other day to talk about something different and it'll be useless And you'll be up and down like waves of the sea, getting tossed to and fro all over the place. Instead, let's talk about God and who he is and how good his word is for us. And tomorrow, guess what the message will be? Same thing. And the day after that, guess what the message will be? Same thing. And that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, I've got one word for you. Remember God and his word. Do it now while I'm with you. Do it after I'm gone. Remember God in his word. It doesn't change. It doesn't fade. It doesn't become less potent. And when you feel like the color or the vividness might be fading, just get back in it. Go back to it. Experiences fade, but the word of God remains forever. Third, the word of God shines in the darkness. Verses 19 through 21. So Peter has talked about remembrance being necessary for godly living. He's now talked about experiences not being our foundational element in spiritual life, but they fade away, but the word of God remains forever. And then third, he talks about the word of God shining in the darkness. Look at verse 19 with me. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, the word of God, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. He's saying, when you are wandering around in the dark, where do you go? 
you look to the light. It shows you where you're going. It keeps you from stubbing your toe and saying things you shouldn't. It helps you know what is around you and where the door is and how you get into further light. You look to the light if you're in darkness. He says, you'll do well. And I feel like that's like one of Peter's greatest undersells. <laughs> he's just, it's almost like he's being sarcastic with them at this point. He says, hey, listen, you'll do well if you look to the Lord. If you look to his word, you'll do, you'll do okay. You'll be all right. But what he's really saying is what he already said is, this is what you need to cling to. Not just to do well, folks, but to make it in this world. To be okay when you're watching the news and this stuff that's going on is going on right now. Because how do you you grasp or cling to hope when you watch this kind of evil and persecution? How? You go to God's word. And you say, okay, evil men have done this before. And they eventually are gone. God's still there. And they eventually are gone and his word remains. And they eventually are gone and the church continues to grow. So we're going to be okay. The church is going to be okay. The church in Ukraine is going to be okay. Because they didn't build their faith on the fact that they could sing in the streets. They built their faith on the fact that Jesus died to save them. And that won't change when they're not allowed in the streets. So if we do understand that the prophetic word of God is our foundation, we will do well, as Peter says. You'll do well. You'll be okay. Continue on with me. He says, you'll do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. For how long? Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter's not talking about tomorrow when the sun comes up. He's talking about the final day. And the morning star is the reference to Christ returning. So how long do you build your life on the word of God? Until he comes back. That's it. Forever. Verse 20. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word of God shines in darkness, and it's not men that came up with it. It's God. He relays it to us through men throughout history. But they weren't, it's not, the prophecies that are promised in Genesis are not answered in the life of Christ thousands of years later because some guy came up with it. That's not how things work. Those prophecies, all of the prophecies that are given, and there's too many for us to even list and go through this morning, but all the prophecies of the Old Testament that lead to the incarnation of Christ and the fulfillment of God's everlong promise. They come true in Christ because they're of God, not men. 
That's why they come true. The word of God shines. It shines in the darkness. And to hear the words of these pastors that are in Ukraine and these ministry leaders that are in Ukraine that are saying, hey, keep praying, but we're going to be fine. That's the word of God shining in the darkness. How does it shine? Because it's the proven word. This word sure that's you, that Peter uses here is the idea of being proved, to being measured, to being seen. And the word of God has lasted much longer than you or I are going to. Therefore, your personal experiences don't outweigh it. It's the proven word. It's the shining word in verse 19. It brings light into darkness. And then lastly, in verse 20, it is the spirit-given word. It's not through men's education or academics or our inspiration. It is given to, a, to us through men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then brought to us God's truth. The word of God is a shining light in the life of the Christian. This world gets dark, and we know this, and we see it, but God's light continues to shine. So as we look at this passage this morning, and as we kind of have to put it in the context of of what we're living through, and, and remember that God's word is the filter for everything else that happens in this world, we have to ask ourselves, when circumstances don't go the way we want them to, or when circumstances don't look the way that we want them to, how do we view them? Would I like all of the evil and persecution and death that is happening right now in the world to go away? Yes, I would. I'm sure you would too. But how do we view it while it's still here? It's the darkness that happens in this world because of death and sin. But God and his word to us are the light with which we can bring to it. You are the carriers of hope if you are in Christ. Live like it. Let your life look like it, and then every person you interact with, bring that hope to them. Not you. Don't, don't give people, I, I need to just say this briefly. Don't give people good advice. Because good advice falls short of God's great word. Give people God's word. It's better than your advice. Give him God's word. Take people to scripture. Here's one of the things you have to do in order to do that. You have to know what's in there. It's a prerequisite. So spend your time and invest so that you can pass on that hope to others. Question I want to leave for you as I pray. Is the word of God precious enough to you to spend time learning about him and his word more than you do now? Is it precious enough to you to spend more time than you do now? Whatever that time is, are you willing to spend more? 
More time reading it. More time meditating on it. More time obeying it. More time remembering it. Are you willing to spend more time thanking God for it? The word of God is our firm foundation. It is the way that he will be magnified through our lives and that we will bring hope and light into this world. We need to be people that see it that way, that place ourselves under it, and that follow him and go to it more often. It's Peter's encouragement to remember. It's mine for us today. Let's remember what lasts forever. Let's build our lives on it.